Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. In this episode, we search for the first non-indigenous explorers to reach North America as we examine the many pre-Columbian transoceanic contact theories. Join me as we navigate the murky waters of fringe science and literature, pseudo-archaeology, fanciful tales, legends, myths, folklore, and pseudo-history. Pre-Columbian transoceanic contact theories speculate about possible visits to or interactions with North America, the indigenous peoples of the continent, or both by people from other non-American continents at a time prior to Christopher Columbus's first voyage to the Caribbean in 1492. In this episode, we examine claims involving Europe. We begin with the recent 1990s Solutrean Hypothesis which argues that Western continental Europeans migrated to the New World 16,000 years ago. Researchers propose contact partly on the basis of perceived similarities between the flint tools of the Solutrean culture and the later 9000 BCE Clovis culture of North America, which we discussed in Episode 3 of this series. Evidence of contacts with the civilizations of classical antiquity have been based on isolated archaeological finds in North American sites that originated in the Old World. For example, it has been suggested that a Roman ship or the drifting of such a shipwreck to the North American shores is a possible explanation of archaeological finds from ancient Rome. A small terracotta head sculpture with a beard and European-like features, probably originally part of a larger figurine, was discovered in 1933 among pre-colonial grave goods northwest of Mexico City. Because the head appears to be similar in style to artifacts of Roman origin, some believe that it is evidence of pre-Columbian transoceanic contact between Rome and North America. In 1950, it was suggested that a depiction of a pineapple was represented among a 1st century CE floor mosaic of Mediterranean fruits at Pompeii. This interpretation made a connection to Mexico, where the fruit was cultivated at that time by the Mayans. A nautical archaeologist identified that a mixture of pitch and agave leaves, a plant native to the hot and arid regions of Mexico and the southern United States, was used in the construction of the hull of a 4th century BCE Greek ship that had sunk at Cyprus. Henry Sinclair, a 14th century Scottish nobleman, is best known today from a modern legend that claims he took part in explorations of North America almost 100 years before Columbus. His grandson, William Sinclair, is the builder of Roslyn Chapel near Edinburgh, Scotland. It is believed that the chapel, made famous when prominently featured in the best-selling novel and blockbuster film The Da Vinci Code, includes carvings thought to be ears of New World corn or maize. This crop was unknown in Europe at the time of the chapel's construction and was not cultivated there until several hundred years later. Proponents view these carvings as evidence supporting the idea of Henry Sinclair's transoceanic travels. Some have conjectured that Columbus was able to persuade the Catholic monarchs of Castile and Aragon to support his planned expedition only because they were aware of some recent earlier voyage across the Atlantic. It is further suggested that Columbus himself visited Canada before 1492, because according to a contemporary historian, in 1477, 
he had sailed 100 leagues past an island thought to be modern Greenland. Whether Columbus actually did this and what island he visited, if any, is uncertain. Columbus is thought to have visited England's port of Bristol in 1476. Bristol was also the port from which John Cabot sailed in 1497, crewed mostly by Bristol sailors. In a letter of 1498, an English merchant wrote to Columbus saying that men from Bristol had much earlier found a mythical isle to the west. Several other such legends are recorded in biographical information on Columbus, including the then-current story of a Spanish caravel that was swept off its course while on its way to England and wound up in a foreign land populated by naked tribesmen. The crew gathered supplies and made its way back to Europe, but the trip took several months, with the captain and most of the men dying before reaching land. The caravel's ship pilot and a few others made it to Portugal, but all were very ill. Columbus was a good friend of the pilot and treated him in his own house, where the pilot described the land they had seen and marked it on a map before dying. People in Columbus's time knew this story in several versions, though many regarded it as a myth. In 1925, an author claimed that a joint Danish-Portuguese expedition in 1473 and again in 1476 explored a place called New Land of the Codfish, speculated to have been Newfoundland or Labrador. The historical record shows that Basque fishermen were present in Newfoundland and Labrador from at least 1517 onward. The Basques' fishing expeditions led to significant trade and cultural exchanges with Native Americans. A theory suggests that Basque sailors first arrived in North America prior to Columbus's voyages to the New World, with some sources suggesting the late 14th century as a tentative date. The sailors, however, kept the destination a secret in order to avoid competition over the fishing resources of the North American coasts. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The legend of the Irish monk, St. Brendan, involves a fantastical journey into the Atlantic Ocean in search of paradise in the 6th century CE. In 1977, the voyage was successfully recreated by a British explorer using a replica of an ancient Irish boat with a wooden frame over which animal skins are stretched. Prince Madoc from Wales explored North America as early as 1170. This legend evolved out of a medieval tradition about a Welsh hero's sea voyage. It attained its greatest prominence during the Elizabethan era, when English and Welsh writers wrote of this claim as an assertion by the Kingdom of England of prior discovery 
before other European nationalities. A few linguists believe genuine Celtic medieval inscriptions have been discovered in North America. An epigrapher claims that early Irish writings have been found carved into stones in Virginia. During the period of Spanish colonization of Mexico, several indigenous myths and works of art led a number of Spanish chroniclers to suggest that Christian preachers may have visited Mesoamerica well before the Age of Discovery. Conquistadors were intrigued by the presence of cross symbols in Mayan hieroglyphs, which suggested that other Christians may have arrived in ancient Mexico before the Spanish. Dominican friars linked the legend of a pre-Columbian Mesoamerican god to the biblical accounts of Christian apostles and described the deity as being fair-skinned, tall, and bearded, therefore suggesting an old-world origin. They also credited him with bringing agriculture to Mexico. Proposed identities for the god include St. Brendan or Jesus Christ. According to pre-Columbian myth, the god departed Mexico in ancient times by traveling east across the ocean, promising he would return. Theories suggest that he may have been a Christian preacher from the old world who lived among indigenous peoples of ancient Mexico and eventually attempted to return home by sailing eastwards. One particular early colonial historian speculated that this myth might have originated from a visit to North America by Thomas the Apostle in the first century CE. Later on, a Spanish priest argued that a venerated cloak enshrined within the Basilica of Mexico City was instead brought to the region much earlier by Thomas, who used it as an instrument for evangelization. At present, only one historical case of pre-Columbian contact is widely accepted among the scientific and scholarly mainstream. Maritime explorations by Norse peoples from Scandinavia during the late 10th century led to the colonization of Lasso Meadows in Newfoundland, Canada, which preceded Columbus's voyage to the New World by some 500 years. Next time, we shall learn about these Norse adventurers, who we today call the Vikings. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. Please consider supporting our History of North America series in the following ways. Join our growing community on Patreon. We offer lots of membership benefits, including books and artworks. As you know, I have written many historical nonfiction and fiction books including exciting international historical mystery and suspense thrillers. One such novel, The Maesta Panels, is set in beautiful Italy, the birthplace of Genoese explorer Christopher Columbus, who is mentioned in this episode. All my books are available in print and digital format on Amazon. If you shop on Amazon for books or anything else, make sure to use our free link so Amazon knows who sent you thereby giving us extra credit with no supplemental cost to you. All links appear in this show's description and on our website at markvinet.com. Spread the word to family and friends. And remember, all positive ratings, reviews, feedback, and comments are appreciated. This helps us grow and reach new listeners. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.
Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.